Ladies and gentlemen and Corner Kick fam, welcome to Pod Taking Quickly, the podcast where we bring you breaking news and also some topics that we want to discuss outside of the bubble of the normal episode. And I think that is what we're going to be doing today because the Corner Kick Classico is just around the corner. It is this Saturday between Arsenal and Liverpool at the Emirates. And as per usual, Nathan and I are going to do a brief discussion on our two respective clubs heading into this game. You know, take the temperature of both teams so that we don't, you know, eat up a crap load of real estate on the main podcast next week. Nathan, how are you feeling coming into this game? How are you feeling about Arsenal? You know, some interesting results before the international break. Obviously, that 3-3 comeback against West Ham, the 1-0 loss to Olympiacos, but yet you guys still went through in the Europa League coming up against an intriguing Slavia Prague side that I think has lost a lot of respect (laughs) in the court of public opinion recently. (laughs) But, you know, coming into this game, how are you feeling about Arsenal as a whole and specifically about playing, you know, a Liverpool team that is in a bit of disarray, but also having, you know, maybe a tiny resurgence coming into the latter stages of the season right now? So I was going to, when you texted me this afternoon about like whether we wanted to record today, I was trying to figure out if there was a statistic about how Arsenal have performed against Liverpool since we met all the way back in the fall of 2013. Surprisingly, it's been much more even than I remember it, specifically because there have just been so many times where Arsenal have just been like smacked by Liverpool since then. And yes, Liverpool is a very different club now than it was, you know, in the Brendan Rodgers era. But I think about losing 4-0, losing 5-1 in that game um, where Firmino scored the, uh, a hat trick. Um, Current manager, Mikel Arteta, scored the only goal in that game from the penalty spot. In the, in which one? Oh, I thought you were talking about the 5-1 in uh, <laughs> the fact that there's multiple 5-1s. <laughs> no, so <laughs> not, the five, not the 5-1 in 2014. I was thinking about the 5-1 in 2018. I see. I see. Um, <laughs> right before, it was one of the Boxing Day fixtures. but. Arsenal have like surprisingly eked out a number of closer wins over Liverpool than I remember. Um, obviously, you have the one last year once Liverpool had tied up the league. Really, since 2015, it has been largely Liverpool dominated. The nil-nil draw in the EFL Cup this fall, the win last year, give me a little bit of hope for this game. But seeing that we have that Arsenal have Slavia Prague on Thursday, that game is like ten times more important than this game in my mind. And not to, I'm not just saying that to downplay the fact that we're probably going to lose to Liverpool. There's really no chance that Arsenal make Europe, either the Europa League or the Con- Europa Conference League, and certainly not the Champions League this year, meaning that the Europa League has to be of the utmost importance. Um, and I, since really that, that terrible stretch back in November and December, Arsenal's fate was somewhat sealed um, in terms of where they were going to finish in the league. And frankly, the difference between finishing in 10th and finishing in 8th isn't that great compared to, you know, losing to Slavia Prague at this stage in the competition. So if you so you're asking me how I feel, I feel a little bit wary, but I also am a little I also am inclined to be pragmatic and understand that there are uh, bigger things to come on the horizon. Yeah, I guess talking big picture about Arsenal, I think the last time we spoke about them really was after the North London Derby a few weeks ago, but that was really more of a Spurs-centric episode. How have you felt since the transfer window? Obviously, bringing in Martin Erdegaard has been a huge boost, I think, to the morale of the club. And he's actually, I think, performed 
quite well since coming in. Maybe not specifically on the score sheet, but I think just in terms of the way that he fits into what Arteta wants to do. Emil Smith-Rowe has come on leaps and bounds since the beginning of the winter. Obviously, Bukayo Saka has been probably Arsenal's most consistent player for about a year plus now. What do you make of you know the direction that the squad is going in right now? And what do you, I guess, to, to build off of your point, what are you hoping that this team can achieve you know, towards the as we come to the back end of this season? So first of all, I think Odegaard has been fantastic. He has been, he has showed flashes of his game that are very like Fabregas-esque, I think, and take me back to some of the best Arsenal teams that I saw uh, under Arsene Wenger growing up. It doesn't always come off for him. I think he's a player who doesn't need as much of the ball as someone like Ozil did in the midfield, but he's just so technical. Like he is just an incredibly gifted player and it's the kind of gifted and technique that you get um, when you play at a top level um, from the age of 14 or 15, which was very, again, very similar to Cesc Fabregas in that way. Um, And so I certainly hope that even with a limited transfer budget this summer, um, I I really hope Arsenal try to sign him. And I would say, you know, anywhere south of 60 million would be an okay fee in my mind, um, given that's what we paid for Thomas Partey who was considerably better in La Liga um, than, than Odegaard. But in terms of the big picture of Arsenal's squad, I would say I've been pretty pleased really going back to when Arsenal ended that losing run in late December um, with that 3-1 win against Chelsea. Obviously, there have been some disappointments. I think losing to Southampton in the FA Cup was a big miss. <laughs> the kind of ridiculous game against Wolves, which we talked about as well, where Arsenal went down to nine men and probably should have... Um, one that that game that they probably should have won, or the 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 game where um there's been that tendency that's a very arsenal like tendency to sort of shoot themselves in the foot every now and then, and that's the kind of thing that's very costly when you're challenging for the title. Um, but given that the margin for error has already been established this season as being so large again because the league, while it's not meaningless, um, there might be a little bit less at stake. Um, I would say I'm generally quite pleased with with where things are. And I think a lot of that was demonstrated by that comeback win against West Ham where Arsenal went down 3-0 within half an hour and then all of a sudden like switched into gear in a way that previous iterations of Arsenal haven't been able to do. So I would say, again, fairly pleased with where things are right now. Is there a bit of that, though, where it's like, oh, we're still we're still shooting ourselves in the foot and that we're going 3-0 down to David Moyes' West Ham, who I think, you know, obviously have been one of the success the success stories of the season but there is still like are you still feeling those those growing pains yeah a little bit but i also think it's important to remember that you know going 3-0 down against west ham is not the worst thing in the world like west ham are in fifth place they were in fourth place at the time we played them in that game you know west ham are a significantly better team than we are this year <sighs> yeah it's it's frustrating um, and you think about the fact that Arsenal made it as basically as difficult as possible to advance in the Europa League as well. Like I was really sort of had some heart and mouth moments, especially considering the history with Arsenal and Olympiacos going back to last year. It's something that I think will get ironed out. And also just looking at Arsenal's schedule after the game against Liverpool, the only team that Arsenal face who are above eighth in the table right now is Chelsea. So the rest of the way, the last nine matches of the year, 
Arsenal play all three relegation contenders right now, or all four relegation contenders right now, and then teams like Brighton and Palace, it gets a lot easier. Arsenal had a weird, you know, very like middle loaded schedule, if that makes sense. Um, and while that's also going to be interlinked with the Europa League, assuming Arsenal can defeat Slavia Prague, this ended, there's a chance to close out the season on a high in the same way that, uh, that Arsenal did last year. Yeah, no, I, I definitely think that is true. I think Arsenal could have, you know, a bit of a redemptive arc towards the end of this season. I want to, before we transition to Liverpool, I have one final question for you regarding Arsenal, and then you can pepper me with some Liverpool questions if you want. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, I think, has <laughs> been sort of a a controversial figure, shall we say, at the Emirates this season. He's had, you know, by all accounts, an okay you know, goal scoring return this season, 12 goals all competitions, only nine in the Premier League, which is a significant dip to what we've become accustomed to uh, from Aubameyang, just the consistent goal scorer. Obviously, there is that incident ahead of the North London Derby where he was publicly disciplined by Arteta and sat on the bench for being late. There's obviously been a lot of, you know, personal turmoil in his life this season. He's 31 now. He was someone that I last at this time last season was in tremendous form. Obviously scored all of the goals in the lead up to Arsenal winning the FA Cup. What have you made of this this rocky period for Aubameyang? I think part of this is influenced by the fact that there was that 7 week stretch where Arsenal scored all of four goals. So the numbers across the squad this season you know, when you consider that Arsenal spent basically a fifth of the season without scoring more than one goal every other game, like those numbers are always going to to shrink a little bit. But I do think that he has done a better job tactically this year than he did last year. And I think a lot of that has come with Arteta adopting a more nuanced 4-2-3-1 than the sort of 3-4-3 three, three, um, or, or really 5 two three that he used last year yeah I always felt like that I always felt like that was the case that Unai Emery didn't really know how to fit both of them into the starting 11 at the same time I think right Wenger had a little bit of those issues towards the end of his tenure as well and I think Arteta was also really having that issue at the beginning of the season too if you look at some of his starting 11s compared to now yeah and I don't think it's just any surprise that Arsenal in that game against West Ham started him as a right winger and started Saka on the left and that changed once Arsenal went 3-0 down. They sort of switched sides, and it, it really opened up play quite well because Aubameyang is so good at that one specific move of basically cutting it inside onto his right foot um, or going outside onto his left foot and then scoring. So I it's maybe it's been a disappointing year. I think he would be the first to admit that. He's missed a number of really good chances. Like He personally had five times the XG of Olympiacos in that 1-0 uh, defeat where he missed, I would say, three open goals. On the other hand, it's also definitely better for Arsenal as a team to have other players who can share that, that goal-scoring load, whether it's someone like Lacazette, who leads Arsenal's Premier League goal-scoring charts with 11 goals, or the development of players like Saka, and even Pepe, who I think has, has come into form as a left-winger um, when, when um, Aubameyang goes up top as well. So all in all, room for improvement, but it's also indicative of, I think, how Arteta is going to manage this squad for the future, understanding that Aubameyang is uh, is aging. Do you want to get into some Liverpool talk? Do you have any thoughts yeah, about Liverpool? Yeah, let's, let's, let's get into Liverpool. Let's get into Liverpool. So right now, 
Liverpool are are three points off of fifth, and uh, and five points off of catching Chelsea in fourth. Do you think that it's possible to make Champions League this year, or are you sort of content um, with the idea that Liverpool might have to drop down into the Europa League next season? So this is an interesting question because you brought up Arsenal's fixtures in the final few weeks of this Premier League season. Liverpool, in terms of the Premier League fixture calendar, are in pretty much the same boat where after Arsenal, every team that they play aside from Manchester United is going to be below them in the table. However, a few more trickier games after Arsenal. Obviously, they have Real Madrid in the Champions League, which we can talk about. But then Aston Villa, then Real Madrid again, and then Leeds United away from home, which is always a tricky, tricky fixture for anyone. The benefit of this international break for Liverpool has been that for the first time, I think this season, really, Jurgen Klopp has had two weeks with the players on the training ground. And it's not just the players who like the superstar players like Salah and Mane, who have gone away to their respective national teams. He's had time with Trent Alexander-Arnold on the training pitch because obviously he wasn't called up to England duty. He's had training sessions with the three Brazilians, Firmino, Fabinho, and Allison, who weren't called away to national duty in Brazil. Obviously, you know players like Nat Phillips as well, who've become key to the way the team is going to play going forward this season. Going into the last bit of the season... They have now the most players back fit they've had this entire season. And they also have a bit more of a defined setup with the center back duo of Ozan Kabak and Nathaniel Phillips. And that time on the training ground had to have been really important to see like what Klopp thinks he can prioritize in terms of success this season and also who he can use and who he can trust going forward so i'm really i'm going to be really interested to see what the starting 11 is on saturday versus who we put out to face real madrid so if you had to pick right now between going out to real madrid but sneaking into that fourth spot for the champions league for next year or you know making a serious push in the champions league and i'm not saying it has to be one or the other um which would you choose so i am a huge champions league mark I love the Champions League. The Champions League is my favorite competition. And I think it's a lot of Liverpool fans' favorite competition. I think Liverpool have a long history of, you know, being one of the top contenders in the Champions League. My preference would always be to make it to the Champions League final. I think that is the pinnacle of club football. And I think if Liverpool can be in and around that spot consistently, there'll always be a draw and they'll always you know, recoup some financial benefits from that as well. I think this season, it is probably more beneficial for Liverpool to sneak into the top four by picking up a run of results in the Premier League. The only question would be if they're going to be able to do that because Liverpool's form in 2021 in the league has been so inconsistent. I think that's a pretty reasonable take. Seeing how Spurs are on a pretty big slide at the moment, it's not inconceivable that even if Liverpool slip up a little bit in the league that they could still finish sixth um, and you know wind up in either the Europa League or the Europa Conference League and when you're a team like Liverpool who have promising young players as well it can be a mixed bag having to play on Thursday nights um, and I can say that firsthand as an Arsenal fan um, but it also could lead to some more exposure especially in a Liverpool side and a Liverpool first team that 
prior to the injuries of this year um, had been pretty much set. So here's a question, though, Nick. Going off of that, Liverpool have this game on Thursday against Real, or on Wednesday rather, against Real Madrid, which is obviously hugely important. Or sorry, on Tuesday against Real Madrid. So do you think that Klopp will field a full strength 11 or do you think he'll be inclined to give players like Diego Jota who played a ton of minutes for Portugal um, and guys who have been who are who are involved in this international break? Do you think he'll give them a rest in anticipation of Real Madrid on Tuesday? I think he's got to take the handbrake off. Honestly, I think Liverpool need to get results and they need to get results in every competition to put it on put on some consistent run of form both in the league and in the Champions League. It's tough because obviously Andy Robertson is another player who's played, I think, probably the most minutes out of anyone in the Liverpool team aside from Jorginho Wijnaldum. And he played three 90-minute games for Scotland this international break. Obviously, he's the the Scottish captain. And if I'm, me sitting here as a Liverpool fan, just thinking about, you know, the lack of production from our fullbacks this season as compared to last season, there's like a huge like boss fight like red red light like blinking over Andy Robertson he'll never admit it but the guy is probably going to be super exhausted coming into this final stretch of the season obviously he's a warrior and he'll he'll fight through it as best as he can but I also just think there are several unknowns when it comes to the players that like could step up and deputize in these situations like Costas Simakas has not featured much this season I think he's currently injured Nico Williams, I don't think is ready for that primetime step up. I think he showed that in the game against Fulham, which is before the RB Leipzig game, which Klopp did rotate and Liverpool went out and lost uh, 1-0 at Anfield. I think it is good that he's had time on the training ground with players like Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, who I've heard great things about. I've heard that Chamberlain has, has been training phenomenally. So I think there's, there's a good chance that we could see him actually in the Arsenal game. But I don't really think he's got the opportunity to rest players like Jota who have been on this run of form lately for Portugal because he needs that to to transfer into this last run for the season. Yeah, and I'm sure he's he's given he has a uh, can get that little bit of a boost seeing that Real Madrid are going to be without Sergio Ramos, Tony Kroos and Eden Hazard in that game as well. So it's not as if Real Madrid are going to be having, you know, their full squad prepped for that game. It's definitely a tough balance, especially this year with all of the injuries, but um, it should be an exciting game. I have to say, though, Liverpool should be pretty heavy favorites, despite the fact that somehow Liverpool are only four points ahead of Arsenal in the league. Would you would you concur with that assessment? I would agree, just considering that Liverpool are finally finding a way to keep clean sheets again. Uh, you know, they're coming off of two successive clean sheets, 2-0 against RB Leipzig and 1-0 against Wolves. And that has not been a theme of the season. Normally they let in the odd goal and they can't come back into the game. I think Kabak and Phillips has given this team quite a bit of an anchor. I think Fabinho back in the midfield, he's just shown that he should probably never play center back again, even though he was amazing at center back. I don't think, I think his contribution in the midfield is the way he's able to break the play up for Liverpool and set them up going forward. I think has been tremendous. Roberto Firmino, will be coming back into full fitness. I think he'll be a boost. I would still start Diogo Jota. I think the way that Salah, Mane, and Jota played in that second leg against uh, against Ajax, against RB Leipzig, was <laughs> tremendous. I think their movement is something really unique. I think that could really spur Liverpool Liverpool on for the second half of the season. But we we shall see. I don't know. 
it's going to be interesting because I feel like oftentimes when Arsenal play Liverpool, it seems like there's a lot more at stake than there is for this one. We seem to have drawn Liverpool in every single cup competition like twice a year. Um, you know, Arsenal have drawn Liverpool in the EFL Cup now in successive years. There was that Community Shield game. Um, there was the FA Cup game a couple of years ago as well. It's kind of it's kind of nice to know that the stakes are as low as they can possibly be, I think, for a match between two of England's um, largest clubs. I would certainly rather see Liverpool finish above Spurs. Arsenal, of course, are only a couple points off of the pace of, of teams like Spurs as well. And so having seen how similar the two schedules are for Arsenal and Liverpool, there could be a real chance that our teams finish much higher than uh, than where we are on the table right now. I would agree with that, except I think this is going to be a very consequential few months for Liverpool. So I think as we've seen with you know the developments this week that Liverpool are at least heavily interested in signing Ibrahima Kanate, I think several you know reputable Liverpool journalists have reported that they're looking to sign a forward and a midfielder. Genie Wijnaldum might leave the club on a free contract at the end of the season. So I think there's a real possibility that this next few months is going to be, you know, the final time that we see this iteration of, you know, this specific Liverpool team from like 2017 onwards. I think there could be a lot of turnover in the summer. You know, the likes of Shakiri leaving the club, Origi leaving the club. Uh, you might even see like one of Joel Matip leave the club. I think there could be a lot of a lot of turnover with this Liverpool team and you're also entering a period where Liverpool are are making a lot of deals off the pitch. You know, they're expanding Anfield again. Obviously there is the announcement of a 500 million dollar influx of cash from LeBron James's Redbird Capital Partnerships, which I think is going to help Liverpool keep financially in the green this year, which is massive for the club, especially if they go out um, or if they finish outside of the top four. So I think this is a huge pivotal few months for Liverpool off the field and on the field, and it will help the club massively transition into this new era if they can get a good run of form going here against Arsenal. Is there any worry, um, given how poorly Germany have performed and, and knowing that that Jürgen Lowe is leaving the, the Mannschaft after the Euros, that Klopp might be persuaded elsewhere? Or do you think that even no you say no off the bat not yeah I think if there's one thing that we've become accustomed to as Liverpool fans is that Jurgen Klopp is so stubborn and I think he out of anyone he's probably the most frustrated with how this season has gone with the injuries the lack of training time on the pitch I think he's going to want at least another few years of trying to put that right you know trying to set up the club in a proper foundation for maybe in 2024 when his contract expires, another manager takes his place with Klopp's foundational elements already in place. I think you've seen that with, you know, the development of the new training ground, uh, you know, the way that the academy is now way more interconnected with the first team. He wants to set up the club in a positive position for decades, honestly. So I don't think there's any, there's any reason why he would leave right now. Fair enough. I mean, I don't see why he would want to leave right now either. And frankly, he seems more likely than I think other managers to kind of just follow his own path and like call it quits on his terms rather than a Mourinho or, you know, will always end up being forced out at the end when their, their coaching magic runs out per se. 
Yeah, he so, said that this is probably going to be either his last job or like his penultimate job. I could see him going back to, you know, maybe Mainz in the Bundesliga. He's someone who like needs a passion project in order to really be invested. And I think Liverpool has become his second home, essentially. And I think the only other club that I could see him returning to is is Mainz or maybe even Borussia Dortmund if he felt like he could, you know, rejuvenate their fortunes. But I, I honestly, like, it's hard to not take Jurgen Klopp at his word at this point. And if he he says, you know, I'm here until 2024, I'm inclined to believe that. Fair enough. Well, it'll be another, I think, really good matchup um, tactically, even though Arsenal will be without Saka and Smith Rowe. I'm curious if Arteta plays a really heavily rotated side and if he goes sort of full on Europa League, um, as I think many Arsenal fans might want him to. But nonetheless, we'll be watching and uh, hopefully it'll be a good one. Yeah, I'm excited for this one. This is a huge. I think this is a it's there's not as much at stake as there usually is in these games, but I certainly think it's a good test for where both of these teams are at currently. Yeah, I think that's a that's a fair assessment. All right, anyways, we hope you enjoyed the match. If you are an Arsenal and Liverpool fan, if you're not, we hope you enjoy the match. Anyways, we will be with you. <laughs> yes, you can actually only enjoy this match if you're an Arsenal or Liverpool fan. If not, I think, <laughs> I think if you're not an Arsenal Liverpool fan, you probably enjoy it more. Uh, the yeah, actually, uh, actually, you make a great point. That is very true. Yeah. Anyways, we'll be back next week with Caleb Rhodes for our usual show. But this has been Pod Taking Quickly. I've been Nick Vinden. Nathan Strauss. And we will see you all next time. <laughs>